Well, we're going to conclude the, the, um, the 13th chapter of John tonight. Uh, I know there's been a, quite a bit of information been given, but we're in a very strategic place in Jesus' ministry. A very interesting place, and we've come to the end of the journey. And uh, we're going to be looking at verses 31 through 38, and there are some incredible things that jumps out at, at us. But let's take a we want to go to the Lord in prayer, and then we'll take a look and see what God wants to say to us tonight in his word. Father, we thank you. We love you. As we stand behind the desk of your desk, the office where the word is being partaken, Lord, I submit my lips and my mouth, my vocal cords to you and what you want to say. Reveal your truth through the Holy Spirit in the vessel that is speaking. So we surrender everything to you tonight. Father, we thank you that the Holy Spirit has been sent to empower and to reveal and to illuminate those things that are hidden from the natural mind. So we submit ourselves to you. And Lord, we come tonight in your house with an open heart to receive a mind that is ready to comprehend by the Holy Spirit's power and ears alert to receive. Father, we thank you. Let us all change into your image more and more as we sit at the seat of your word. And we thank you and we honor and we love you. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen and amen. 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 Well, let me ask you a question. We're in, we're school is in session. <laughs> um, you know, as believers in Jesus Christ, we're called to love. We're called to love. Um, now, it, many of us, would, if we were to evaluate our love walk and on a scale of 1 to 10, where would you put your love walk? Now, I know most of you say, well, I'm a 10. But honestly, honestly, where would you put your, your love walk? And only you can answer that. Now, I don't dare put you on the spot and ask you that. You know, I don't know if anybody will be bold enough to say it. <laughs> but I want to ask you, where would you put your love walk on a scale of 1 to 10? And what do you would say? Most Christians would say it's an 8 or a 9 or a 10. If you're real with yourself, you know, 10 is pretty high. But a lot of times we will, we have, yes, ma'am. Okay. I like what she said. I can do a thousand percent better, which means she's not fully all the way there. But I like that. I like the way you get that answer. Yeah. But isn't it a fact that, that it's easy to love people that are what? Huh? Lovable. Or it's easy to love people who love you. But yet at the same time, we hear people say, well, you know what? I love you. I, I, I teach, I've been dealing with teenagers for 30-something years. And it's, cra- <laughs> it's crazy with some of these girls. Oh, my goodness. You know, I look at them from a distance like, are you serious? That's who you, really? That's who you with now? Why? And guess what the answer is? I love him. He told me he loved me. And I I tell my kids, I tell the girls all the time, if a guy tells you, you know, girl, I love you, you know, if you really want to freak him out, ask him this question. What does that mean? What exactly? And I'm telling you, you will leave him stunned and violated. Stunned? I'm talking... Deer and the headlight violated. Because we, 
Bill, that's how you got Renee, right? <laughs> and Bill's still going. <laughs> but in this passage of Scripture, these passage of Scriptures, I'm going to look at tonight, and it's entitled, Just As I Loved You. We're going we're gonna to center these eight verses around that one particular part right there. Okay? Let's take a look at it. John chapter 13, verse 31 through 38. When he had gone out, Jesus said, Now is the Son of Man glorified, and God is glorified in him. If God is glorified in him, God will also glorify him in himself and glorify him at once. Little children, yet a little while I am with you. You will seek me. And just as I said to the Jews, so now I say, also say to you, where I am going, you cannot come. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that if you are my, that you are my disciples, if you have loved one to another. Simon Peter said unto him, Lord, where are you going? Jesus answered him, where I'm going, you cannot follow me, but you will follow me afterward. Peter said to him, Lord, why can I follow you now? I will lay down my life for you. <laughs> you know why I'm laughing, right? <laughs> Jesus said, will you lay down your life for me? And to put it short, Jesus went, Really? Really? Truly, truly. This is a double emphatic, meaning there is no lie to this statement. Truly, truly, I say to you, the rooster will not crow until you have denied me three times. Wow. So where is Jesus with this? Well, you know, they've already had the the last meal. They've already, Jesus started washing the disciples' feet while at the table. Jesus reveals to them, he just opened up to just pull the curtain back. One of you will betray me. Can you imagine the shock that, that they must have felt when he said that? And they begin to wonder what they said. Lord, is it I? Is it I? And then Peter, now this is in the book of John. Peter, it says, now John's writing, he says, and Peter leaned over to the disciple whom he loved. Did y'all get that? And Peter leaned over to the disciple whom he loved because he was leaning on Jesus. He said, you ask him. Yes, you ask him. And Jesus said to the one of whom I take this bread, after I dip it and give it to him, he will be the one that will, will, will be the one. And so he gave it to him and dipped it and gave it to him. And by that time, the Bible says, and Satan entered into him. Now, I want you to see this. That is mind-blowing. Here you're sitting at the table with God in the flesh. You're sitting at the table with the creator of life, the creator of everything. You're sitting in the room with the one who is Lord above all. And then the Bible says, after you took of this cup, that Satan entered into you. (laughs) Wow. Wow, that's mind-blowing when you think about it. 
And then Jesus tells him, go and do what you must. And the scripture tells us that the disciples, not understanding, just thought that because he held the money that he had to go buy some stuff for the festival and totally missed it. Totally missed it. They flew under the radar. Totally missed it. But Jesus reveals to them that he's getting ready to leave. But what I want to bring out tonight is what kind of love did Jesus have demonstrate knowing he was getting ready to rock these guys' world when he made the statement, I'm leaving. Think about this. Think about the commitment that these disciples had made when Jesus first called them. These guys was running a family business. Many of them were self-employed. Families was relying on them to, to, to take care of the resources. And here comes this stranger, and he walks up and says, follow me. And they dropped everything they were doing, and they followed this stranger. And three years of their lives, they've committed everything to this man. They've seen incredible miracles, the dead being raised, the dumb speaking, eyes open, ears where they can hear. The lame began to walk, water turned to wine, Peter walking on water. In your mind, this is what they're, they're no different from us. Here's what they're thinking. Boy, we're about to build a ministry here on earth. It's about to be hot on the block. Man, we've been rolling for the last three years. Meg, I can just see it now. The revival on the front page of the, of the Roman times. Jesus is coming to town. And you imagine these, these insignificant men who had nothing going for them until Jesus shows up. And then everywhere they go with Jesus, crowds are coming. Man, these boys are like, hey, boy, we feeling this. This is awesome. Now, they're no different from us. Imagine if you join an evangelistic team and everywhere you go, countless thousands upon thousands of people are showing up and you're on this evangelistic staff. And you're sitting up there in auditoriums, you know, biggest cowboy stadium, and you're going like, whoa. Boy, you can really think you big stuff, right? Come on, I, come on, talk to me now. Can, can, that could really mess you up. You, before Jesus came, these were insignificant guys who was catching red fish and speckled trout. Jewish striped bass. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, everywhere these boys been going with Jesus for the last three years, boy, they've been hot on the block. They've been hot on the press. Did you hear? Did you hear? And then I can imagine when Jesus showed up in town, people were coming. They were like the secret service. Uh, get him away. Here come Jesus. Get away. Get away. Get away. Get away. Get away. Get away. Okay, you got that one. Do y'all see what I'm seeing? And then all of a sudden, they, in their mind, man, this is it. We have arrived. Jesus is about to establish his kingdom. Boy, we're going to be rolling. And then on that night, Jesus tells them, I am leaving. You get me now. But one of the things I want to bring out very quickly is I want you to see Jesus knew their hearts. Jesus had a love for these guys and he knew, he knew, he knew when he was getting ready to make this announcement, he was getting ready to just rock their world. So he began to demonstrate to us a kind of love that is incredible. So let's just take, let's navigate through it. Point one, 
What kind of love did he demonstrate? Jesus' love was costly love. He demonstrated a type of love that was costly. In John chapter 31 and chapter 13, verse 31 and 32, it says, When he had gone out, Jesus said, Now is the Son of Man glorified, and God is glorified in him. If God is glorified in him, God will also glorify him in himself and glorify him at once. I want you to understand something. This kind of love was a costly love. You see, Jesus knew what he was getting ready to face. He was getting ready to face the, 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 the epitome of shame. He was getting ready to face the epitome of torture. What he was going I mean, there is no other way to be shamed and degraded than to die on the cross during that time. And this man would be stripped of his clothes, beaten mercilessly, where his skin had been peeled open, his intestinal organs were exposed. Well, I'm sorry if I'm grossing you out. I'm sorry. And then nailed to a bloody, rugged cross for everyone to see. On one level, the cross was an epitome of humiliation and shame. There was no worse way to die than to be stripped naked, flogged, and then nailed to a splintered cross and hung up to suffer a slow death as a public spectacle. It was a costly love. But it was also, not only was it, it was the epitome of humiliation, but it would be the type of love in action that, norm, that brought glory to the Father and glory to the Son. Let's look at what the scriptures say in Hebrews chapter 2, verse 10. It says this. For it was fitting that he, for whom and by whom all things exist, in bringing many sons to what? Glory, should make the founder of their salvation perfect. How? We would be perfected. How? Through suffering. Somebody say through suffering. So it was Jesus' love was a costly love. He says, I'm going to perfect you through my pain. I'm going to perfect those who will come to find through my suffering. Jesus' love was costly love. Look at Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2. It says, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, what did he do? He endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of God on his throne. Now, I want you to see this because this is interesting. Looking to Jesus, who is the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him. Now, this is interesting because he realized what it was going to, he realized the cost that was involved to perfect us, to get us back to the Father. He understood that. And that his love for us was attached to the cost and the sacrifice that needed to be made to bring us back to the Father. So how was he able to endure this shame that he was put through? It says, for the joy that was set before him. Here's what the scripture is saying in Hebrews. He says, after I have gone through this suffering, 
there will be a glorification as a result of the suffering. So it is the glorification of the suffering that's going to allow me to go through the suffering. Because I know what this suffering will produce. What does that say to you and I? Don't think it's strange when you're encompassed about by many trials and temptations because it is those trials and temptations that perfects your faith. Your faith is out in the opening when you are going through the heat of the battle. And when you have gone through it, your faith will be more precious than gold because it will be tested in the fire. But he said you will come out as pure gold. This is teaching, right? I'm trying hard not to preach. So what do we say at the end of our suffering? It was good for me to be afflicted because it made me who I am in Christ Jesus. Jesus said there was no other way that I can bring you to me. There had to be a cost to my love. There had to be. Look at Ephesians chapter 5, verse 2. It says, and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Jesus, what kind of love was he getting ready to demonstrate? A love that cost. That was something that he was willing to pay for. Oh, by the way, let me just, and I love this statement. You can tell the value of the thing by what one is willing to give up to get it. The value of a thing is revealed by what one is willing to give up to get it. What are you saying? For those of you, let me make a little clear. The value of humanity was clearly seen by what God was willing to give up to get us. So for anybody in here that have ever struggled with your self-esteem, I'm telling you now, you were worth the father giving up his son, and you were worth the son giving up his life. So it was a costly love. Number two, not only was his love he was demonstrating to them and getting ready to demonstrate to them a love that's costly, but he also, Jesus' love was Caring love, a caring love. Look at John chapter 13, verse 33. It says, little children, yet a little while I am with you. You will seek me. And just as I said to the Jews, so now I also say to you, where I am going, you cannot come. Anybody in here grew up in a military home? Your father or mom was a military in the middle there. Here, one, two, three. Okay. If you've never grown up in a, in a in a home where your father was in the military, and I'm gonna speak in behalf of those. <clears throat> Every time your father came and left back on an assignment, it was probably one of the hardest things for you to see him walk out that door. Would you agree with me? Was it? Because you didn't know what, Bill? What, what's the one thing you didn't know when he walked out that door? Oh. Yeah. 
Yeah, how many grew up in a, in a home where, in which you were a military kid? Your mother, father was in the military. Yeah, in the military. Was it difficult every time they walked out the house to go in the next assignment? Yeah, because you didn't know what? If they were coming back. That was a hard thing. And so you see here that Jesus' love is a caring love because he, he's, he, he opens up the statement. We see that Jesus cared tenderly for his disciples here in two ways. The first way he, is he addresses them as what? Little children. Little children. My dad was a truck driver when we moved here before he really became a full-time pastor. My dad was a truck driver for Diamond M Offshores. And I, my dad used to get up early in the morning, like 4, 4.30, 5 o'clock, and I could hear him rumbling through the house as he was getting ready to get his clothes together and, and, and you know, and head out on that big truck. And, and I can remember very vividly hearing in my bedroom when daddy closed the door, and it wasn't long when I heard that big truck, and then daddy was pulling out. And I knew, you know, I knew that Things could go wrong on the highway for my father. I've seen accidents, you know, truck drivers get in accidents. And so every time daddy left, you know, whether we prayed for him or not, it was always this question, you know, we, Lord, I hope daddy's all right on that road. And then after basketball practice, I'm at home. It was such a delight to hear that truck pull up, that big diesel, right? Like, man, pop's home. Dad is home. But I want you to see this because You see this tender, loving care that Jesus, he identifies them as little children. That's the first way. The second way we see how Jesus tenderly cared for his disciples was that we see Jesus' tender care for his own and that he explains to them that he will be leaving them soon, that they could not follow him to heaven at that time. Although, as he explains to Peter, And to all, they will follow later. You know, when my baby girl was, was when Dominique was small, you know, my wife can come and go out the house like she wanted to. I mean, my baby girl was in the, on the middle of the living room playing with our baby dolls and stuff. And Nadine said, I'm going, Mama, go. I said, bye, Mama, bye. But that wasn't so with me. When I, had to, when I was getting ready to leave the house, I said, Nadine, I got to step out and go to the store. I don't want to bring her. I need you to, like, come get her, bring her to the back, way in the back of the house so I can go to the store. And I don't know how this girl knew. We brought her all the way to the back of the house. Nadine was playing with her. And as soon as I grabbed that door, I could hear from the background, Daddy, no! And I'm thinking, oh, what? Nadine said, you, you're going to have to come get her. I'm like, okay, okay. And that is the hardest thing for a parent to do, that mom or dad, is to see a crying baby who wants to go with you on your journey wherever you're going. And he addresses them as little children. And he's got to tell them, guys, I'm leaving. And this is not, this is, this is not easy for the disciples, nor is it he- easy for Jesus Christ. But he addresses them as little children. In John 13, 36, it says, Simon Peter said to him, Lord, where are you going? And that's what the children asked. You know, Dad, where are you going? Jesus answered him and said, where I'm going, you cannot follow me, but you will follow me afterwards. Wow. We see that resonate again in John chapter 14, verse 1, 1 through 3. And you, this is a famous verse. Everyone knows it. Jesus said, let not your heart be troubled. 
Now, why was he opening that statement in John chapter, chapter 14, verse 1? Because, you know, like anything, when, I, when we find out that people we love are, are, are getting ready to leave us, our heart gets full. I can only imagine what Miss Sanderson was, bad, was dealing with within her heart and the emotional uh, 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 stress she carried, you know, praying and really believing God that her husband would come out of this, you know. Just, Lord, please don't let him pass away. And anyone that have ever had a spouse to pass on, that is a heavy burden to watch them slowly slip away. Because you, you, want, you want to just, Lord, just, just Lord, raise them up. But there comes a time when, you know, when God's will just slips in and, and things go from bad to when say, Father, I, I love them so much. and I, I know you love them. I would rather not them, let them suffer. That you just take them, that they may experience that glorification that Paul and Jesus is talking about. So here's what it says. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, where are you going? Jesus said to him, I'm going and you cannot follow me. But John chapter 14, verse 1 through 3 said, let not your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you that I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you and take you to myself that where I am, you may be also. Wow. You see the love of Jesus Christ when he reveals that to them in John, John chapter 14, verse 1, when you see him tell them that I'm leaving, it, his heart is heavy. Not only the fact that these guys, literally their world just got rocked when he told them they were leaving. He understood that. But he's trying to comfort them. He's demonstrating a love that's incredible. A love that cares. Jesus demonstrated another kind of love in these passages of Scripture, which is found in John 13, 34, Jesus' love was a, command, was a commanded love. Jesus' love was commanded love. John 13, 34 says, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, here it is, just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. Now, it's interesting because... In this passage of Scripture, Jesus says, a new commandment I give you. If you look back in Leviticus, Leviticus tells us this is not anything new because, you know, Moses said from the law, you must love one another and love God. So why would Jesus call this a new commandment if it reflected the old commandment? There was something that Jesus was getting ready to do that would exemplify that this love it's unlike any love you have ever experienced before because this love will be demonstrated. It, this love will be tested through sacrifice. This love will be tested through pain and trials. He says, I'm giving you a new commandment. The fine print in this phrase is that even as I have loved you. You see, this commandment bumps the love thing up to Mount Ephraim. If you really look at it, it is the kind of love that is a command. A very few may make the, 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 the summit. There have been a lot of people that have climbed Mount Everest, but no one is able to live there. And here's the analogy. On rare occasions, we may succeed in loving others as Christ loved us, but none of us are able to live there consistently. Why is that? A love that was demonstrated by him 
when he was sent to the cross, it's a type of love that goes beyond anything we can comprehend in our human understanding. We try the best of our ability to love people the way God loves us. And like they travel up Mount Everest, they'll go up there and make it. But that's not a place you can pitch your tent. And we'll get to the pinnacle of the type of love that we need to demonstrate, but we consistently fall back down the mountain. But what was Jesus saying? He says, I'm giving you a new commandment. I'm going to demonstrate this new kind of love. It was a love that was demonstrated by him when he went all the way to the cross. Nothing else could even come nowhere compared nor near to it. Look at what John 10, 18 says. No one takes, takes it from me. He's talking about his life. But I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and I have authority to take it up again. And watch this. This charge I have received from my father. This type of of love that he demonstrated was commanded love. He said, this charge I have received from my father. I've received from my father. Wow. He says, I I realize that there was no way out of this. This type of love is commanded by the father. Now watch this. If that type of love is commanded by the father... What did Jesus say in the previous verses? He said, as I have what? Love you. Then what is the implication? So love ye one another. So love ye one another. Wow. It is, it is, it is one of the most defining, one of the most defining attributes of the Christian walk. The love walk. If our love walk is not right, everything else is going to be. He says, the law and the prophet hang on these two laws. Love the Lord your, Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. He said, all the law and the prophets hang. It's so, I don't know if you've ever hang a picture or ever hang curtains. For a man, that's probably one of the most frustrating things to do. You got your wife on the floor looking at it, and she's asking you to hang the curtains. And then all of a sudden, you think you done done a good job. I'm like, yeah, boy, I'm the man. And then you step down and she look at you like. And you're like, what? What? She says, big fella, go stand across the room. And then you realize. What is he saying? He says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. Because all the law and the prophet hang on this. And if we don't have our love walk, then everything else we do will not hang right. If the love walk is not right. Amen. Wow. Not only Jesus love was commanded love because he knew he had to demonstrate it by going to the cross. Number four, Jesus love was a conspicuous love. A conspicuous love. Man, what do we mean by that? Look at John 13, 35. Look what it says. By all by this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you love, have loved one for another. Now, I love the little green guy on Star Wars. 
Yoda. I love Yoda. Yoda speaks where he just, he turns, he puts the main subject first and then the action. Am I saying that right? The main subject first? So if Yoda was reading this scripture, here's how he would read it. Now, I'm not going to imitate Yoda. I'm just going to have you read it. Here's how you read it. He would not read it by this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have loved one for another. This is how Yoda would read it. If you have loved one for another, it is by this love all people will know that you belong to me. Did you see that? What is the identifying mark of the believer? Not the size of the church you go to. Not the size of the Bible you carry. Not even the size of the knowledge of the words you have. The identifying mark that you are a believer in Jesus Christ is your love for the brethren. Uh, uh, Weeks back, Pastor Ben did an incredible job when he talked about the wall of petition being broken down between Jews and Gentiles. And I I wasn't at that service. I was out of town. But I heard he really touched on some things that that sort of was, 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 I love it. I saw it on the, I loved it. All of these things that we have done in this country to try to bring race relations, race together and race reconciliation are good within itself. But there can be no true reconciliation of the races through litigation without the heart being changed in Christ. So when a person's heart is changed in Christ, you don't need some house bill or some pieces of legislation or a body of written document to make Clyde love Freddie and Freddie love Clyde. The reason why Freddie and Clyde don't need written legislation because God's perfect law has been written on our heart. Y'all didn't hear what I just said. I applaud the efforts that people have made in this country to bring the races together. But if you look at the news, we're still, this nation is still struggling. Because that will only take place in Christ. Paul says in Christ, he has torn down the wall between the Jew and the Gentile. How? In Christ. In, somebody say, in Christ. He says, guys, I'm leaving you with a new commandment. This type of love, I want it to be an obvious love. I want them to be able to see it. I want it to be demonstrated. Now, what what did he mean when he says that his love was a conspicuous love? He was talking about a love that can be seen, which stems from the heart. That's one. Second, this conspicuous love It's seen in outward actions. It's the sort of love that stands out conspicuously in this self-centered world. In other words, the type of love that Jesus demonstrated, that he was commanding us to demonstrate, was so radically different that when people who by nature become self-centered, that is self-centered, get around you, you stand out. It is obvious that you are not like them by the way you treat everybody, good, bad, or ugly. (laughs) There are no ugly people. I'm sorry, that's not a good way to say it. He was talking about a love that can be seen and stems from the heart. It has been seen outward action. It is the sort of love that stands out conspicuously in this self-centered world. And then third, they should see the way that we, the world, should see the way we Christians love one another and say, watch this, 
the world should look at the body of Christ and say this. Based on the way I see they treat each other, they must be followers of Jesus Christ. But I'm almost afraid to tell you that's not always true because you got denominations been warned and fighting. This one right, I'm wrong. You got a left shoe, I got a right shoe. Your shoes ain't right. Your th- it's been crazy what the world's been seeing. Am I speaking truth here? I had an uncle before he got saved. And all of his sisters got saved and was coming. To, this was at my dad's church. <laughs> Not supposedly got saved. No, I'll put it this way. They were going to church. They hadn't got saved yet. They were going to church every Sunday. And they were trying to encourage him, my uncle, to come to church. And he just blew their mind. He said, let's see. You want me to come to church with you? Now, they weren't saved at the time. They eventually got saved. You want me to go to church with you? But after church, you go to the club. So let me just do this. I'll just bypass church, go to the club, and wait till you finish church and come meet me over there. I said, are you serious? There has to be a noticeable difference between how we live and how the world lives. There has to be a noticeable difference how the world loves and how we love. Because in these passages of Scripture, Jesus is demonstrating a type of love that goes beyond human understanding. Wow. Jesus' love was a conspicuous love. It is clearly, clearly seen not in words, but in actions. And finally, what kind of love was Jesus demonstrating that night when he realized that his time was at hand to be glorified? And finally, Jesus' love was committed love. Somebody say committed love. Look at John chapter 13, verse 36 to 38. It says this, Simon Peter said to him, Lord, where are you going? Jesus answered him, where I'm going, you cannot follow me now, but you will follow me afterward. Peter said to him, Lord, why can I come? Why can I follow you now? I will lay down my life for you. Jesus answered, will you lay down your life for me? Truly, truly, I say to you, the rooster will not crow until you have denied me three times. Peter had trusted in his own type of love that that he really built himself. Lord, if you're going to die, I'm going to die with you. And Jesus said, look, before the cock crows, you will deny me three times. He had to show Peter the kind of love you really wanted to demonstrate for me. You're incapable of doing that right now. I get I, I love your intentions. I love your words. But here shortly, your actions are going to show me something different. Not only is your actions going to show me something different, but your actions are going to show you something different. He said, I applaud your effort. But your kind of love won't let you stay with me when it gets hot. It will later, but not right now. And Jesus had to reveal this to him. Wow. Look at Matthew chapter 26. There are three verses I want to look at. Verse 31, 35, and 56. It says, Then Jesus said to them, You will all fall away because of me this night. For it is written, it has been prophetically said, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will scatter. Look at verse 35. Peter said to him, Even if I must die with you, I will not deny you. You know what that sounds like? Lord, we've been rolling with you for 30 years. Man, we ride or die, baby. We ride or die. (laughs) Now, I know some of you never heard that before. Jesus, you go down, we going out with you. (laughs) They arrested him. Peter took off. Peter put on them Nikes and took off. (laughs) 
And the disciples said the same. He said, I will not deny you. And all the disciples said the same. Look at verse 56. But all this has taken place that the scripture of the prophets might be fulfilled. Then all the disciples left him and they fled. Wow. They really wanted to be with him, but they didn't have this committed love just yet. But Christ did. John chapter 13, verse 1, as I close. Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them all the way to the end. What kind of love is that? It's a love of commitment. It's a committed love. I want to leave this statement with you and put that statement up, and I'm going to leave you with this. Love is a self-sacrificing, caring commitment, which is obedient to Christ, showing itself and seeking the highest good of the one that is loved. Let me read it one more time. What is this type of love he was demonstrating? Love is a self-sacrificing, caring commitment, which is obedient to Christ. Showing itself in seeking the highest good of the one loved. Stand to your feet. What is he saying? In this final hour of of Jesus' life, he demonstrated this incredible love. And he said, if you're confused, I want to show you the type of love that I want you to demonstrate. It is a willingness to stay with someone all the way to the end. Jesus told in Ephesians chapter 5, he said, Husbands, love your wife as Christ loved the church. That is a, a love of commitment all the way to the end. It is a love that is sacrificial. It is a caring love. It is a love that shows, that, that keeps no record and keeps no wrong. When the world outside peeps into this building, We want them to see the type of love that we have for each other and the type of love we have for God that is committed all the way until we leave. Amen. Father, we thank you tonight. We love you. We thank you for your truth. You committed your love, your self-sacrificing love to us by going all the way to the cross. To the very end, you fulfill what was spoken. And you transformed, when you rose from the dead, you transformed the lives of these ordinary men who committed their lives to you all the way to the death. Mission accomplished. Father, thank you for giving your son. And Jesus, thank you for giving your life. May we, your sons and daughters, demonstrate the same kind of love you demonstrated toward us. But it's only through Christ and by the power of the Holy Spirit. Father, I ask that as we leave this place tonight that you give us your traveling grace. Watch over your people and get them home safely until we come again to worship and honor you. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Amen.